0: Welcome to Marketing Legends, a program within the WVU Marketing Communications Today podcast series. Marketing Legends features marketing thinkers, innovators, practitioners, and founders, legends of the marketing world, who join co-hosts Cindy Greenglass and Ruth Stevens to talk about their careers and share their wisdom with the marketers of today. Thank you for joining us.
1: We are so fortunate to have McGee Osei as our guest today on the WVU Marketing Legends. McGee is an advertising trailblazer in multicultural marketing and nationally recognized as the CEO of Burrell Communications Group, which is one of the leading and most highly regarded multicultural advertising agencies in the country. Um, Many of us learned about the nuances and importance of cultural diversity in marketing and advertising from McGee over the years, and she's helped brand such big brand names as Procter & Gamble, uh, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Kellogg's, Toyota, Comcast, and more. Really impressive. She has amazing recognitions. I don't even have the time for us to, to mention all of them, but I did want to share with our listeners a few. Um, McGee has been honored by the Black United Fund of Illinois for Leadership. She's a recipient of the Chicago Minorities and Business Leadership Award, And she received the inaugural Advertising Legend Award from the Ad Color Industry Coalition for Outstanding Professional Achievements. That is a wow, isn't it?
2: Fantastic.
1: (laughs) McGee, it is such a pleasure to have you join us today.
3: Thank you, Cindy. And thank you, Ruth. Thank you both for having me on. I have been looking forward to this.
2: Delighted because the the subject of multi- cultural advertising is so important and rich and I think really not well understood by many marketers. So I'd I'd like to just ask the basic question of how has it evolved over the years? Surely it's different today from decades ago. Could you fill us in?
3: Oh, sure, Ruth. And you're absolutely right. But I will say this before I get into explanation, okay. the evolution is still work in progress. There's much to be done still. We've accomplished a lot uh, since way back when, you know, the first af- um, African American advertising agency was Vince Colors, and he opened that agency in 1956. Oh, but wow. even prior to that, there was um, there were communications that featured, African-Americans. And of course, those depictions were not always positive, very stereotypical. And it was people like Vince that came along and said, you know what, there's a better way to do this. And even though he met a lot of resistance from corporations that were just a little reluctant to step out there, you know, with a real commitment, he forged on. And so we give him a lot of credit, um, you know, for being starting the first advertising agency um, t- uh, targeting African-American consumers. Now, over the years, yes, um, there's been some evolution. Some of it has been very positive, you know, some just really exhilarating. Other aspects of it, it doesn't move as fast as we would like it. And that's frustrating. You know, when you look at the market now and you look at, um the African American consumer, who represents about 1.8 trillion dollars in spending power, or the Hispanic the Hispanic market, 2.1 trillion dollars, um, and then when you look at the industry and its makeup and the or the number of agencies or the number of um, minorities employed in the industry, there's still very much um, to do. Um, Hmm. But, you know, but moving on, you know, more specific about the evolution, you know, after Vince Colors there came along, you know, the Tom Burrells and the Joe Muses. And I I give Joe Muse credit for really being the father of multicultural advertising, because Hmm. if you'll recall, his agency that he started, oh, I think it was in maybe 1986 or something like that was Muse Cadero Chin. So he truly was trying to do um, multicultural advertising. Now, Tom Burrell started his agency in 1971. And, you know, Tom's, I put him up there among the top three, not just because I'm now one of the owners of the agency, (laughs) but because of what Tom brought to the industry. Tom brought he wrapped up a strategy. He took an insight and he helped those companies that were reluctant to get in the market or understand why it was necessary. He made it clear to them. You know, Tom's premise was Black people are not dark-skinned white people.
2: <laughs> and
3: I mean, how basic uh-huh. can that be, right? How basic can that be to wrap, you know, this insight, very strong, powerful, powerful, It was a powerful insight then. It is a powerful insight now to wrap that up in a way that people could really wrap their heads around it. So I certainly give Tom credit for that. And also Tom Burrell was, you know, his agency or our agency was the first to do a national campaign for a major corporation. Um, And, you know, that really put Burrell on the map, but it also advanced. Um, The whole notion of multicultural marketing.
2: What what was that, please?
3: That campaign was for um, Coca-Cola.
2: Oh, wow.
3: Coca-Cola and followed by uh, national campaigns for McDonald's. You know, I talk about those on the, I will say, on the agency side of the business, but there were also trailblazers uh, like Bill Shark who happened to have been Tom Burrell's cousin, who was a oh. VP of marketing and a, a VP of advertising at the Coca-Cola company for years um. and years, going back to the very early, um, early 70s, right? Um, and then the people like um, Charlie Boone, who was at that time a special markets. Here's part of the evolution. We're no longer special markets, right? Um, right, right. Um, so Charlie Bone was very instrumental in the industry, and Deepak, Park, um, G- De Park Gibson, who wrote the book of uh, the thirty billion dollar, uh, how did he say, thirty billion dollar Negro, and then the seventy billion dollar, seventy billion dollars in the black, and those two books help the whole industry, the corporate industry recognize the value of set uh, the African-American segment or multicultural segment.
1: So you've given us a fabulous background and history of how we've evolved all the way back to the fifties, eighties, and, and given us terrific names of, of, um, individuals who really forged, you know, ahead and, and laid the foundation for us. Um, naively, it appears to many of us that there's been a lot of progress. I know you said there's a lot yet to do. We see um, DEI uh, being talked about just about everywhere within companies, within Mm -hmm. advertising, marketing, within agencies. Um, So the assumption could be made that we've made great progress and that there's um, a lot of positive that's come out of this. So I'm wondering if you would share, you said, yes, but, um, (laughs) how has DEI today impacted advertising in our profession? Yeah,
3: yeah. After George Floyd, everybody wanted to show up and and have a voice and to be heard. And many corporations, many advertisers made commitments. Some of those commitments were met, others just fell by the wayside. You know, we we got inundated with calls at that time. Can you help us? But we filtered through that or we had filters. We did not wanna work for any company that was taking advantage of a moment and just wanted a showcase or a, a nice statement, a black box for the moment. We wanted people that were, you know, very committed um, to the segment or to the multiculturalism or the segment um, on a long-term basis, and very few really were committed to that. When we look at what has happened from that, we were our agency was raided. Um, general market, general market agencies trying to quickly hire talent that was trained we i mean i cannot tell you within probably that that year after george floyd we lost maybe 50 people
1: oh my Um, god i
3: mean we were and the 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 thing was they were being offered salaries that they couldn't say no to if you understand so you know that was part of it um, you know, so so there was an effort at the time to really gear up. If you were a general market agency, gear up, or even on some of the corporate corporate marketing, to gear up with um, African American or ethnic talent. Um, so there was that big push. When we look at media, and that's where a lot of organizations made commitments, huge media commitments. There are some that stand out as, you know, having met those commitments. But when you look at what um, the spin is uh, for Black media, it's about $880 million, I believe it is. And if you look at all ethnic media together, it only represents about less than 2% of the total spin. Now, African Americans are fourteen percent of the population. Hispanic sixteen, um, excuse me, eighteen, almost nineteen percent. Asian six percent, and okay. we only represent one point eight five um, percent of the total spend. That is, um, that's there's nothing impressive about that.
1: Right. So when
3: I say that there is work to be done. Clearly, there is a lot. To, there is a lot of catch up to do, and you know now, Cindy. And I'm so happy you ask about now because multicultural advertising today is mainstream advertising. There's no way of getting around it. the The, the um, demographics dictate that. You know, as you go back, you look since I think it was like 2011, most of the babies born are of minority heritage, right? Um, You know, the population is expected to be majority minority by 2044, somewhere 2044, 2046. So if companies don't have the foresight today to look ahead and really accept what's happening and put forth the effort to do what I call, I'm always talking to my clients about future-proofing, and that is getting ready, being prepared for what's lying ahead, laying the foundation now um, to get ahead tomorrow. Um, So there is quite a bit more uh, to be done. If you look at um, minorities in in the industry, uh, we touched about the, the, the raid on our agency, uh, but if you look at the blacks, African Americans in the marketing industry, uh, um, only about seven percent now I say only about seven percent when I have done so many panels in my career and I can remember when it was three percent right so I you know so I can see growth, but when you look at the fact that it's seven percent and we represent 14% fourteen percent of the population. Right. I mean, There's still an imbalance there that we've not been able to correct.
1: Right. I'm so interested in your comment about future proofing. Mm -hmm. Um, For those of us who are looking ahead, Mm -hmm. do you have maybe like one, two, three simple steps that we should be um, doing today to get us started if this is not an area that we have confidence or knowledge of?
3: Well, I would say, Cindy, first of all, understand the demographics, understand what's, understand the numbers, where they're going. Okay. Secondly, understand how consumption of your product among minority groups. You know, there are so many uh, product categories that minorities over-index in.
2: Right.
3: Health, Health and wellness, beauty. Um, you know, um, entertainment, uh, cellular services, all of those types of things. Uh, So understand the demographics, understanding who's using your products, beverages, soft drinks, for example, Um, understand who's, who's using it and where there's great demand and then understand how to speak to them in a respectful and relevant way those would be the top three that's where i would say to start
2: wow that is so that it it seems so clear and persuasive i just wish that we could come up with some ways to encourage more minority youngsters to to enter the marketing and advertising fields and I, I'll bet the uh, educational institutions like West Virginia University are probably scratching their heads about that very subject as we speak. Cindy, would, would you think that's a correct statement? Well,
1: I think recruiting and recruitment Mm. um, into not just um, educational programs, but recruitment into agencies, recruitment into um, our profession as communicators, public relations, public affairs, and marketing and advertising. um, We want to learn and Mm -hmm. we can only learn from hearing from people firsthand. Mm. Um, And uh, so... You know, do you have any tips, McGee, about how do we how do we reach out and make um, um, minority and multicultural candidates and young people want to come under the tent with us when they may not be as comfortable? Sure. Well, first of all, and and Ruth, thank you for that. First of all,
3: few of us even think of advertising as a career. It's not, I know, I certainly didn't growing right. up. I didn't have an uncle that worked in the industry. I didn't have <laughs> somebody down the street that worked in, in marketing. I did not. I learned about the profession of advertising from Bewitched. It was what <laughs> Stevens did on Bewitched. And that is the honest to God's truth. That's and I so said, that looks, like, that looks like fun. I went to Spelman College obviously they didn't have an advertising program, but my counselors saw that I was determined and they figured out internships for me. They figured out summer programs for me. I then went on to the University of South Carolina to do my graduate work in advertising, but I had no frame of reference other than Stevens. Okay. And that's the, that's the type of thing we've got to let young minority people know that about this as a profession. And given that minorities and African-Americans in particular and Hispanics are such influencers and really stand out in creativity, Mm -hmm. this seems like a natural path for them, right? But they don't know that of this as a profession. They don't know that you could be a producer to produce advertising, you could be an art director, you could be a writer. There are so many professions in what we do that people just have no concept of. So Mm. I would say, Cindy, first of all, helping people to understand what advertising is as a profession and the thousands of possibilities in the industry. I mentioned Bill Sharp earlier, who was at Colt. Bill started his career, he did some work for J. Walter Thompson. And I don't, I think Burnett, I'm not sure, but I know J. Walter Thompson. And when he was there, he got Thompson and the uh, four A's to sponsor a program called the Basic Ad Course. Hmm. Because we didn't know about this, it was a community program. He got people that were teachers, people that worked for the telephone company, people that worked for the post office, that had a desire to maybe try something else so it was an eight-week program and then they got agencies to agree to take these people on to bring them on and you know give them entry positions and so many people of color got into advertising because of uh, the basic ad course wow. there's a need for that today you know, nice. there are a number of you know, so many universities have ad programs, but if people don't know about it and you don't go out and recruit and Bill they recruited for the basic ad program on radio. Oh, if cool. you want to make a change, if you wanna make commercials and right. I mean, they, they they did very basic um you know very ground groundwork to get people
1: interested
3: wow. and to know what it was. Wow.
1: Well, McGee, wow. speaking about groundbreaking work, yes. um, we understand that your agency now has uh, jumped in to the political consultancy and practice arena, which many of us are, it would be like, holy cow, that's a, right. <laughs> talk about another big change. Uh, tell yeah. us in this very um, interesting political climate, Oh, yeah. How how are you helping candidates or what is your political practice consist of? So, yeah, we got
3: involved in this. I have always been interested in looking around us and know how important messaging is in the political arena. Uh, so we have done work for the DNC, the DCCC, the Senate Majority Pack. It goes on and on. Um, We got in this because there was a void that we saw, number one. We thought it was more important. The trend was, or the tradition was, that candidates or the parties would advertise to Black people, get out to vote go out to vote. Right. It would be on like the final maybe week, two weeks of the campaign. Don't forget to vote. Early voting started, blah, blah, blah. Right. There were not conversations about the issues. There were there was not what is called in this world of politics, uh persuasiveness, persuasion, persuasion advertising, where you talk about the issues. So as we started you know, working with some of these folks, we got them to understand it's more about more than just GOTV, get out to vote. You've got to persuade people. And as you're doing the polling and all of that, understand you've got to have black people at the table. You've got to talk to them. Their kitchen table issues are different than some others. You know, this last um, 2020 election, we worked with a number of people and it was very important to us because we could see this and we were hearing this. We got to talk about saving democracy to black people. Abortion is important. It is really high on the list, but to African-Americans who have, you know, just such, um, who is so a segment that is so heavily vested or invested in democracy as hope for us, that was a conversation that needed to be had. And we had to go around and around with some of our clients saying, we got to talk about democracy. We can talk about abortion too, but we've got to have these conversations. What I see now, and the polls told us that young black men don't vote or to the extent that they need to, We felt a responsibility that we need to do something about that. We need to figure out how to talk to young people so that they will be motivated. And what we're seeing now is that there is still such an opportunity for these conversations. We have to make people understand that it's not, just don't turn out when there's a presidential election, but you gotta turn out for the state and local elections too, the school board, the what have you. We've got to make people understand that. We've also got to make people understand that you're just not voting for the president of the United States. You're voting for who sits on the Supreme Court. And we don't understand that. And we've not, as a community, really factored in that type of thinking. So that's why this practice to me, Cindy, when I say to you, it is the most important work that we do, I truly mean that in my heart. And now, as we're in this age of misinformation and disinformation, how can we help people discern what's truth and what's not, you know? So it just, um, there's so much to be done in this area.
1: Wow, such great and important work. Isn't that amazing, Ruth?
2: Yeah, Yeah, and I'm wondering, as a, a business leader, an agency head, What are you strategically, what's your your thinking strategically about the percentage of your business that will go in the political direction versus traditional advertising?
3: I I don't think, (laughs) let me say, Ruth, I don't think it will ever be significant because we are always on cycles. I see. McDonald's and McDonald's and Toyota's there. 24-7, 24-7, 365 right. days a year, because political goes on cycles. I don't think it will ever be you know, a significant part of the billing, um, but I think it's an important part of the billings. And here's the one thing I have to say, which was interesting for you two being marketers. When we jumped in this, we were so enthusiastic whereas it might take us for 6 weeks sometimes to create a commercial for a client we were turning scripts and and product spots around in 24 48 hours oh wow. so my
1: goodness
3: it was it's a totally different game it's a different rhythm it's almost like retail you've got to move quickly you've got to react quickly um so it took us you know, we learned quickly, we jumped in because we had the commitment, and we had to learn to how this worked in a very sure.
1: um, quick manner. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are, there's so much we want to talk to you about McGee, and I wish we had more time, but I think we're, we just have time for one more question. Okay. So Ruth, if we, if we had one
2: more question that we could, uh,
1: Ask McGee, what would you like to...
2: Well, I think since um, young people are listening to our podcast in, in numbers, Cindy, that we'd do well to ask her about um, pro- professional development and how she would advise young young people entering the field of advertising or at advertising as applied to other uh, other missions like political consultancy. Yeah.
3: You know, I have um, been an adjunct professor um, in Chicago and, you know, taught advertising. And one of the things that I stress to students is to learn to be a critical thinker. To learn to be a critical thinker. And number two, expose yourself to any and everything that you can. Expose yourself to different communities travel as you can. It just opens the mind and that's what makes a good marketer. When you can, you may not, you may, may not be a part of a community, but if you've been exposed to it, you have an edge already. Um, so, you know, so curiosity, critical thinking, um, exposure, I think are things that are, you know, critical to having a successful uh, career in marketing and advertising. Now, awesome. in terms of, you know, there's so many great schools out there, yours, my um, advertising school, University of South Carolina, I am very close to Missouri because we've received a Missouri award, uh, which was awesome. Um, you know, but there are just so many um schools out there that uh, can help you get the training that you want. But it really does start with a discipline. And that discipline is critical thinking more than anything
1: else. That's great. Well, we are so fortunate, McGee, to have had you as a guest today to hear your insights and uh, for you to share with us um, your journey. And uh, we have lots to learn. And it's exciting for (laughs) Um, not just uh, young people or new people entering into our profession, but those of us who are looking for where we can make an impact. It certainly looks like there's a lot of opportunity to make positive impact in multicultural um, communications and advertising. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today.
3: Multicultural is mainstream advertising. I just make that reminder. All right. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you.
0: Thank you. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Legends, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. The WVU Reed College of Media's online programs is honored to host these amazing guests who have helped make marketing what it is today. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash today to hear previous discussions, listen to the Marketing Horizon series, subscribe to receive updates, as well as learning more about the renowned WVU Marketing Communications online programs.